Well, dear church family, we are looking at that short parable in Matthew's Gospel 12, 43 through 45, of the unclean spirit, which the Lord here speaks of. It has been said of this short little parable, if you can call, if you can call it that, uh, it is one of the more difficult parables really to be understood, and it is. Uh, one of the more difficult parables to be understood. And so we pray that with the Lord's enabling and help, he may grant us wisdom. But with that said, this short parable is absolutely packed with much spiritual truth uh, for all types of people and for us here this Lord's Day. Well, I'm just going to get straight into the sacred text uh, this Lord's Day. Verse 43 says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man... He walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Well, I think it is uh, uh, plain from the whole council of scripture that the unclean spirit here is is certainly referring to that enemy to our souls, Satan. It's the unclean spirit, and we know this from Mark 5 and other passages of Scripture, that it's referring to Satan. And, of course, his satanic influences upon men's hearts, the natural man's heart, and, and, of course, on this world at, at large, because the whole world, we know, lieth in wickedness. He is referred to as the unclean spirit because He is the author and original source, really, of all uncleanness and sin. Insomuch that God is the author, of course, of all holiness and purity, and all that is good comes from God. So all that is unclean and sinful and depraved, its its original source, of course, comes from the devil. And you want to know why there is so much wickedness and heartache and sorrow and pain in this world that we live in. And we've got to look no further than Satan himself. And it's a a sad fact to say that many in our society have been desensitized to this very fact, that we have a real enemy to our souls. It's not a fictional one. And it's sad to say even many in the professing world of Christianity don't realize that Satan is a real and a powerful foe. Uh, And I just want to bring that to our attention this Lord's Day morning with this short parable and what we can do about it. Well, because the devil is also a defeated and embittered foe and unclean spirits by his very nature, remember he was cast out of heaven and there is no way of him ever to become clean and pure again. And so he is ever resentful and embittered towards God, and especially God's people. He seeks to continually entice and draw men to all manner of uncleanness and filthiness, being an utter enemy to all purity and holiness and goodness. He is an enemy to all those things. He hates those who love the things of Christ and eternity. 
Before conversion, every one of us really are under his power and bondage. We're under, by nature, we're under the power and sway and bondage of Satan. And I can quote many proof texts throughout scripture. There are many of them, but perhaps one of the more uh, striking of texts is from Ephesians 2.2, where it says, Wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, He's a powerful enemy. He can be in one part of the world one day. We know that he's not omnipresent and we know he can't be everywhere at one time. But he can be in one part of the world one day or one minute and then another part, another. And so he is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The spirit that works in the natural man's hearts. His influence is everywhere. His power is everywhere. When our first parents yielded to Satan in the garden, it poisoned the entire nature of man. Remember that. Not only your body, the flesh, and again, a lot of people get this wrong. It's not only the fleshly lusts, but it is our nature, our entire nature, both body and spirit and soul that has been utterly corrupted. With all its powers, with all its faculties, it's been corrupted. Every part of my faculties, my my sight, my ears, everything, my affections, my mind, it's all been corrupted. That's really the meaning of total depravity. Not that we, we cannot have common grace, that we cannot do good things, but every part of me has been tainted and corrupted as, and is ultimately, by nature, under that power and dominion, satanic, demonic power of the devil. And you can be a very civil person, but you're, if you're not in Christ, you're still under that power and that force. Satan, therefore, is not only an unclean spirit, the unclean spirit in himself, as the parable suggests by our Lord, uh, but he also continually seeks to defile the hearts and spirits of all those who continue to yield to him and receive him and entertain him. And though all, like I said, by nature are vile and filthy and sinful because of the fall, all of us, it's only those who continue to yield to Satan, you see, who really show his power over him. And I'm not just talking externally here. And of course, we see from today's parable that there are degrees of uncleanness and depravity and wickedness in which Satan's demonic influence is evident. Christ says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. Now we must be careful here because the Lord is not speaking about a man actually being possessed physically with a devil, as it were. That can happen, by the way. Uh, Someone like in the days of Christ in particular, we think there was a particular outpouring, uh, and we, you, our charismatic friends may think a, a lot of this, but on, on, on the day when the, when the Lord 
uh, came on his earthly ministry, there was an outpouring, in particular, of demonic activity. And the Lord cast out devils and so on and so forth. And think of Legion, for instance. And, uh, but that was to manifest that this indeed, indeed was the Son of God. So we're not talking about that in particular. What it is rather talking about is to show that all unconverted men, in a spiritual sense and in a mystical sense, have the unclean spirits of the devil in them. They're under his power. They're under his sway. They are his possession, as it were. They, he has the house of their heart and their soul, as it were. Where, wherever sin and covetousness rules the heart, you can be sure that the devil has possession over that house, over that soul. If the Lord is not Lord of your heart and of your thought life, then you can be sure that you're still owned, as it were, possessed by the devil, by the unclean spirit. Remember Ananias in Acts 5.3, whose heart was filled by Satan. Remember, he was caught up with all the, the movements that happened then. He was, he was filled by Satan to lie against the Holy Spirit. He kept back, didn't he? He kept back. It was just, he was caught up with everything. But now with that said, we know from this parable and other passages of scripture, like 2 Corinthians 5, 1, that, the, that a man is likened to a house. A man is likened to a house. And how accurate a description that is of man. We are likened to a house. And you see, God has made us, our bodies and our souls, for himself. He is the landlord of the universe. Our bodies, our houses, and that which enclose our bodies, our souls, the more precious part of who we are, they belong to God. They do not belong to us. God has made us for a specific reason and purpose. They're on lease to us, these bodies and these souls. They do not belong to us. Don't believe for a second in this world's philosophy that you somehow we belong to ourselves. But you see, God has put gracious terms attached, very gracious terms. And so it's fair to say that what we do with the house of our souls will have eternal ramifications. It will have eternal ramifications. And so with this in mind, the Savior says, in verse 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. It's obvious to me that the Lord is speaking here in a voluntarily sense. Because Satan, remember the strong man, needs to first be bound, as it were, and then cast out. Um, so Satan, he knows that that property is well taken care of. He's got his influences. He's got his He's got his, his, his minions, as it were, taking care of the property. And so Satan goes out voluntarily. He hasn't been kicked out, as it were. He's still in possession of that person's house. He still, he still has their heart and mind under his control. And it also could mean, it could also be speaking of some sort of self-reformation here. 
by the operation of common grace. It could also mean that someone perhaps has been convicted uh, by the operation of common grace to self-reform themselves. But either way, either way you put it, the devil here is still in possession of this person's house. It's still his property, as, as, as it were. And so either way, that house is still empty. It hasn't got the, the Holy Spirit within it. Uh, and he's left, as it were, for a time. And there's been many, really, that have ceased from gross, open and debauched, uh, a debauched lifestyle. I was one of them, by the way. I lived, I was very much a worldling. Uh, uh, but there are many who have lived such a life, a gross, open, scandalous, sinful life. Uh, and simply through, uh, I'm not saying this was particularly true of me, but, uh, but simply through wanting to get away from that and make themselves a better person. I just want to become a better person, becoming somewhat religious, externally and legally, as it were. And many such conclude that they are indeed converted because they do not live such a lifestyle anymore. I don't live this debauched lifestyle anymore. I'm not given to these particular sins anymore. I don't give my heart to these things anymore. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm part of God's people. And, and sad to say, many people think that because I'm not what I used to be, in that respect, I'm a believer and Satan has no problem with those who like saints, who look like saints, who speak like saints, just as long as they do not actually become a saint in their heart. That's the fundamental thing. Just, in, just as matters, they do not become converted in their hearts and see the unclean spirit and the devil within. He doesn't want people to see that and this is the chief reason why we are told in today's parable in verse 43 that the devil walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding and findeth none well these dry places here are referring to the hearts of true born again christians believers that's what it's talking about here, these dry places. You see, this world, to truly born-again Christians, is, is like a, a desert. It's like a barren wilderness, a howling wilderness, spiritually speaking. They, 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 they are pilgrims in this land, as it were. Something has changed. They don't see all their hope is not bound up in this world. It's bound up in the next world. It's bound up in Christ. You see, so Satan, Satan assaults these dry places. He attacks these dry places. He walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. It's referring to true, sanctified, born-again believers. This is what the dry place is referring to. And he goes and he assaults God's people. He spends much of his time doing so. And he can never, ever find rest there. He can never, ever settle there as it were, because the, the, that satanic seed that is scattered, as it were, that demonic seed that is scattered will soon be withered up by true repentance and faith, as it were. The devil, though he try, can never rest in a true believer's heart. Yes, 
believers also can be careless. Of course, we, we all admit to that. And for a time, we, we, and the scriptures are clear about this, we can all fall into sin. But that will soon be withered up, as it were, through repentance and faith. Because we belong to God. We who are Christians, we do not belong to the devil anymore. The strong man has been kicked out when we have truly turned from our sin. We saw the devil within and we turned to Christ. We believed that he died for every single one of our sins on that cross, was punished for it out of love and mercy to us, and that he takes up possession of our hearts and of our souls and gives us his spirit. He gives us new hearts to love him with, you see. So the devil is no longer in possession. He was before. He, he, he is a thief in that respect. He has th- thieved what was the Lord's. And Satan finds no rest in such dry places. There's far too much watchings and prayings and wrestling and warring, as it were, and putting on the armory, the full armor of Christ. There's far too much of that, you see, in the true born-again believer. So he can never find rest in such a hostile, barren, dry place as that. Never. Nevertheless, much of Satan's time, we see from this parable, is spent assaulting God's people. And in particular, assaulting their faith. That's the aim, you see. Satan wants to take God's people away from their faith. And in particular, he wants them to draw them back, as it were, back into the world. He walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Satan hates the fact that his former slaves, his former captives, his former properties, as it were, have been taken away from him. He hates that. He is ever embittered against a God for that. He hates the fact that they are now children of the Most High God, the living God, that they are children of light and they are no longer children of darkness anymore. And they have new principles and new spiritual armory to combat the devil. And that God uses true believers, in particular their faith, he uses them through the word and through the Holy Spirit to dispel the darkness, to put a check upon sin in society. And he uses them through the gospel and the power of the gospel and, the, and, and of the spirit to free more properties that he's stolen, as it were. And no wonder why Satan was itching to get at people like godly Job. Remember that? Remember poor Job? As it were, Job 1.7, the Lord asked Satan, Whence comest thou? Where have you come from, Satan? And Satan answers Job from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down it, in particular from assaulting God's people. He has the world in his grip, as it were. The whole world lies in wickedness. But in particular, he assaults the faith of God's people. That's his aim. And Satan should not have even been there in the first place when the sons of God were presenting themselves before the the Lord. He shouldn't have been there. He he knew it. 
You see, he was there for a particular reason, assembling himself with God's children, as it were, for a reason. And that was to destroy their faith, to draw them back, as it were, to make them of no use in the Christian fight and faith. He says, in particular, in Job 1.10, Has not thou made an hedge about him? And a ha- about his house and all that he has. Notice that. Job says, you've made a hedge about Job. You've made a hedge about all of his house, about everything that he has. I've been trying to get at him for years. I've been attacking his faith for years. Just let, let him loose for one minute, as it were, like the, with the woman. Just give me one minute, give me one hour. As it were, let him from your grip and your possession. And these things are, of course, written for our learning. And poor Job experienced this, really. God didn't let let fully loose of Job, but he did it for us to understand these truths. That God had Job's house, his heart, and the devil wanted it, you see, friends. And he attacks those dry places, those houses, And friends, let us not be ignorant of the enemy of our souls. Do not be ignorant of Satan, of the devil's devices. He is a powerful, restless, and relentless enemy. There's so much ignorance in the Christian world concerning Satan. And and it's like Martin Luther said, and I know our brother mentioned, and I think it's, <laughs> we shouldn't think that he's round every corner, Satan's round every corner, but his influence and power is everywhere. We shouldn't be ignorant of that. If he loses ground in some dry places, as or in dry places, and that, that is amongst true believers, and he always will, by the way, he always will, because they're God's possession. Well, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You, he will always lose, lose ground in that respect. But he will return again. Once he's assaulted God's people, and he, and he spends much time doing that, he will return again to those houses in whom he still has possession over And those who are still governed by their sin, by how they feel, by society's ideals, ever-changing fashions, by Hollywood ideals, and they're governed by this world's systems and life, and not by the Lord, and not by his word, well, those who are still governed in this respect, as it were, he returns to them. And by this time... He returns to them with a twist, as it were, with a disguise. Look at verse 44 of the Lord's parable. And then he saith, I'll return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. And then verse 45, then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. The picture which the Lord here is giving, I believe, 
is quite an interesting one. When Satan checks up on his properties, as it were, remember, he's thieved them, he's stolen them in the Garden of Eden, but when he checks up on his properties, his houses, he wants to make sure that his slaves and his captives are still under his power and control. That his influences are still influencing. It's a bit like YouTube, isn't it? You click onto YouTube and you see all the, if you're into gardening, you see all gardening videos coming up and so on and so forth. Well, Satan's like that. He wants to make sure you're still under his power, still under his control, as it were. And like a demonic, thieving rental agent with his filthy clipboard, as it were, he checks to see what is their time being spent on. He looks around the house like a demonic uh, rental agent with his filthy clipboard. And he sees what's their time being spent on. Is there hearts and mind? He looks around the property. Uh, is it still being spent mostly upon the creature and not the creator? Oh, good, good. Tick, 10 out of 10. Thou good and faithful servant. I'm well pleased at that. You're still focusing on the creature and not the creator most of the time. Great. Full marks, as it were. You can stay. And then he, he sees what are they being influenced about. He looks at the pictures. He looks at the, at the entertainments. He looks at the things in the house. What are, what are they being influenced by? Are they being influenced by the eternal or the temporary, as it were? They're giving their hearts to the eternal or the temporary. Oh, the, the, the temporary, the majority of the time. Good. Tick, 10 out of 10. I'm well pleased at that. And what condition is this house in? What condition is it in? Well... Oh, the window's still boarded up. When I, when I left, the windows were boarded up, so the light, as it were, is not coming into the, into the house. Good. Are the, are the overdue, overdue bills from the landlord of the universe, are they still being cast into the bin, as it were? Those eviction notices for the day of judgment, are they still being cast into the bin and ignored? Oh, good, good. Thou good and faithful servants. Tick. Oh, those cracks, those foundational cracks in the house and the damp rot and the dirt of unbelief and disrepair, are they still being ignored, as it were? God's word, God's commandments, they still all being ignored? Good, good. You've passed. You've passed, as it were. Well, such is the heart of the natural man. That's all of us by nature, friends. That on this occasion, Satan returns to this house, as it were, his property. He returns to his house from whence he came out. And he notices something different this time in his absence. Now we, now he can, he, now we can be sure that, that this man, this house, has not been converted it's not talking about, the Lord is not talking about this house being converted, because remember, it's empty. The text says it's empty. And you cannot be converted if you're empty. You need the Holy Spirit and the fullness thereof. Satan sees that his property is not how he left it. It's, his influences have not been doing their job. They're going to get the sack, as it were. And so... His house, he sees that his house, his property has been swept. There seems to be a concerted effort to clean up, as it were, this, his property. And so that, that uh, it brings him room for concern. Something's a bit off here. 
It hasn't been thoroughly cleaned and washed, but it's been swept. And so he's a bit concerned. He sees the property now seems to be garnished and furnished, as it were. All the cracks have been painted over. They're still there, but they're just painted over, as it were. Everything appears to be adorned beautifully. And so Satan sees that his property and his captive, his heart, as it were, has become somewhat religious. And he sees that the unruly lusts and open sins and the gross sins seem to be bridled somewhat, at least outwardly anyway, when he comes back to this property. And perhaps he thinks to himself, my property has been under the influence of those, those dry places. I spent all that time attacking those dry place pilgrims, as it were. Maybe it's been influenced by that. Or I've spent so, so much time doing this, maybe it's, or, or it's been, or there's been tracks through the door, as it were. Or the light of conscience has broken through one of the windows and the light, as it were, has come through. And the person has seen the filth of their house, as it were. Whatever it is, Satan is determined not to lose yet another of his properties to God, his captives. He's determined, you see. And he sees his property becoming religious, at least on the outward, the, the external. For sweeping is not the same as cleaning and washing. My wife will tell you that about me. It's not the same. You can clean and the, the floor can be filthy yet. And neither is garnishing the same as fixing a house because it's just a mere painting over the foundational cracks and the rot and the damp that's coming through as a result thereof. Nevertheless, Satan takes no chances. This is his property, remember. He possesses it. He doesn't want to be discovered as the unclean spirit that he is, especially to those religious, painted, affluent properties that he keeps. Those are like his prized properties now. And so we're told in verse 45 that then he goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter in and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Quite simply, Satan here no longer comes into that house as an, and I, and I can, I can go into, into I'm, I'm, I, I get to this point now, I can go through all these points here now, but I'm not here really to tickle the ears of scholars and theologians. I'm here to preach the gospel. That's my main job, to preach the gospel to poor needy sinners and so quite simply, Satan no longer comes into that house as a profane, unclean spirit, which was once welcomed. Oh no, oh no. He comes as a wolf, as it were, in sheep's clothing. That's how he comes, you see, friends. He comes as an angel of light, as it were. No longer as a profane devil, an unclean spirit. He comes as an angel of light. And he takes the form and shape of the godly, the appearance of the godly, resolute to gain an even firmer grip upon those, upon such properties, as it were. 
That's his aim. He's resolute. These are his, have become his prized properties, as it were. And the taking, himself, taking with himself seven other spirits, verse 45, it's symbolic talk here of Satan's show of perfection and of completeness, as it were. And we think of all, I'm not going to go into the details, but we think of all those seven wicked spirits. Pride, the pride of life, self-confidence, an independent spirit, not a dependable spirit, vainglory, as, as, as it were, unbelief. All these things. Uh, well, he takes all of these demonic uh, for, formality as it were, civilness. He takes all of these things which the world so prizes and he comes back as an angel of light, a demonic angel of light, into that property. And we know that the Lord had in mind the Pharisees here. That's who he's speaking to. And, and all religious people, in fact, all those who will be religious and who have been deceived by Satan into thinking that a works-based Christless salvation will get them into heaven in the end. That's really what, what, what he's talking about here. What it comes down to, friends, is this. God has made you and I for a reason, for a purpose. He's made all of us for a reason, for an, an eternal purpose. And we forgot that in our culture. We forgot about the, the, the reason that we, we have been made. We've been made for an eternal purpose with never dying souls. Your body and your soul ultimately belong to God. He is the landlord of the universe. And he has given us the light of creation and his word with incredibly gracious terms attached. Incredibly gracious terms. He says, keep the property of your heart and in your mind and spirit meticulously clean. He gives us his word for that. He gives us the light of conscience for that. Do not yield my property, as it were, to that thief, to that liar, to that murderer, the devil. By nature, we have all yielded to Satan. The house of our souls, friends, has fallen into disrepair. All of us. It's in disrepair. We cannot, same with the days of Jeremiah with the pot and the potter, we cannot fix it, dear friends. It's far too costly to fix it. It's com the foundation is completely ruined. We have not daily thanked and worshipped God as we ought to have done and loved him for who he is, the fountain of every blessing, the great benefactor behind all good and love. And everything wholesome and good, we have not loved him daily as we ought to have loved him. We have abused our great benefactor and we have befriended the thief. And this is all of us by nature, friends. And like the Jews, we have chosen a murderer, a thief over the Savior, the Prince of life and glory. This is all of us, friends, by nature. And no matter how much sweeping you do of the house of your soul, the light still re reveals its filthiness. 
And I don't know about you, but sometimes you think you've cleaned the house very well. And maybe on a, on a dark day, as a, on, a, on a cloudy day, and then suddenly the, the sun comes out and the beam comes across the, 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 the lounge and you, you see all the dust in the air. You think it's filthy. It's filthy. And so that no matter how much sweeping you do, friends, it's never going to be clean in the sight of God. It's, it's tainted with that by its very nature. And no matter how much garnishing and painting over the cracks as it were, of unbelief and the damp, as it were, friends, that there, there are yet foundational issues. There are foundational issues here. You've ignored your maker. You've ignored your maker. You've bitten the hand that has fed you. You've shunned his warning, as it were, his loving warnings. The landlord of the universe Friends, it's not ignorant of Satan's thieving and corrupting of his rightful properties. And so he has put in his lease agreement, he has put in that lease agreement very gracious terms, very loving and merciful terms, that if the property of your heart and your life has fallen into disrepair, as it were, don't try to fix it. By yourself. Don't go to the religions of this world, as it were. The only, only place you can go to, dear friends, is the Lord Jesus Christ, the only saviour of sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all become as an unclean thing in his sight, dear friends. Call upon his name whilst he is near. Don't go to repair it yourself. Go to Christ, the the God so, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son to fix and completely refurbish that house. To, as it were, to break it down again and to rebuild it again and in his image so that your heart can now become a temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, you can never get right with God unless you're rebuilt again upon a new foundation and you're given a new heart. Don't try to get right with God by your own efforts or by the, the guise of men. As it were, you have to come as a poor, wretched, hell-deserving hell sinner to Christ, understanding that the strong man, as it were, that you, in a sense, are unclean and filthy, and only Christ can make you clean and pure and whole again. And he, he alone can do that through what he's done at the cross of Calvary. And living that perfect life that you can never live. Perfectly obeying the law that you and I could never live. And out of love, out of love, God set his son's life down for your sins. To pay that full debt of sin that you and I so deserve. To pay for our rebellion, our unthankfulness to God through his son. As we're on that cross, paying the full debt of your sin out of love and mercy to you. And friends, if you'll yield today, not to Satan, but if you'll yield your heart and your life now to Jesus Christ, the Saviour, he will remake you again. He promises to. Don't, no longer yield. 
to Satan, yield to the Lord Jesus Christ who came some 2,000 years ago to set you free, to set your heart free upon a rock, a sure foundation, a foundation where the Holy Spirit will take up residence within you and give you a new heart, a, a new spirit he will put within you, even praise unto our God and he will keep you. Will you yield to him today? The invite goes out for you today. Will you yield to him? Will you yield in your heart to him? Not just on how you look outwardly, but in your heart today. Will you close with Christ today, friends? Well, in closing, I'll, I'll finish with 1 John 5, 18. We know that whosoever that is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten, that is who is born again of God, he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Amen. 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 Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk.